Hey gang, Melissa Hanalt here with the Burnout to All Out podcast. I'm a mom of three corporate burnout that built a secondary six-figure income around my nine-to-five with little kids. This set me free and allowed me to fire my boss and pursue my wildest dreams. It took grit, persistence, and belief. But now, operating multiple six-figure businesses as an online entrepreneur and business coach, I have become a serial entrepreneur with a passion to inspire more burnouts to take the leap and go all out and live out their dreams. Each week, I'll bring you inspiring all-out guests, lifestyle business tips, and tools to empower you to take the leap from burnout employee to all-out entrepreneur, making your passion your paycheck. If this mom of three corporate burnout can go all out, so can you. In this episode, I'm going to be talking to you with what I'm calling Money Minutes. I am starting a series with you guys where I'm on my own growth journey with money and money mindset and controlling where my money goes. And as I learn, as I read, as I hire the experts to educate me, I plan on bringing forth what I learn to my community in the burnout to all out community. So I'm excited for you to uh, take a listen to my first kind of kickoff to money mindset conversations we have with our children and the conversations we have with our parents and what sets our mindset and trajectory in the future. Well, hey, burnout to all out community. Guys, here's the deal. As I continue to grow and raise my lid as an entrepreneur, as a leader, as a mover and a shaker, as a mom and a CEO, I am passionate about sharing with you guys what I'm learning. I think that that's a big piece of what this podcast is all about is just sharing my growth journey with you. And so like many of you, each year I set intention to really hone in on something and learn more, right? So last year I really honed in on how to be an online entrepreneur, how to grow an online business. And I took lots of classes, invested tremendously to really raise my lid and So, and at the output of that was my new business, the LinkedIn Method Academy. This year though, this year I'm moving the needle, taking a shift towards improving my own financial competence. And so I am doing deep dives on things that a couple of years ago, I would have rolled my eyes and maybe vomited at taking a look at, because you see in the past, I didn't take I didn't take responsibility of my financial competence. You see, I've known how to make money for a long time, but I've never taken the accountability and the ownership of where my money's going after I make it. So that as my dear friend Mel says, you end up ensuring that your money works harder for you than you worked to obtain it, right? So what I'm going to be bringing to you guys this year in little injections will be money minutes on just things that are rolling through my mind as I go on my own journey as an entrepreneur and how I take this additional income stream and redirect it into assets, redirect it into the right places to create 
create a true financial legacy for myself. So here goes. This is actually going to be the first of a series of episodes this year that I'm going to call Money Minutes. Okay. So let's just dive in. So let's just start with the facts. Did you know that only one out of four households, only one out of four households actually discusses money with their children? right? What's even more mind-blowing is given that statistic that most of us inherit our parents' mindsets and habits around money by simply observing how they did it. See, our money mindsets are actually fixed around seven or eight years old. I want you to think about this. And they're fixed around a couple of different ways, right? One is just money management in general, right? Like you see, if it's not talked about growing up, like it, like it wasn't for me. And when it was, it was a very negative thing. We'll get into that in a minute. How do you know? And how do you have direction for the money that comes in when you grow up and get a job? Where do you have your money competence from? It's crazy. My husband and I were just talking about this, even in colleges today. I mean, there's finance classes and economics classes, but there's really, when we were going through school, there weren't courses in college around money management for your household, right? It was for if you're going out to get a job in finance. And so there's two things here. One is the fact that, you know, in one, only in one out of four households, our children really taught about money management, right? So you're just growing up innately thinking that your money will just find its right place, rightful place as you make it when you get older. And the second piece of that money mindset is that how your family perceived and talked about money, ultimately you inherit and go out into the world and, and inherit that mindset. And I know for me, it was very much a very broke, poor mindset. Money was scarce. We didn't like talking about it. My parents, my mother was terrified of it because there was never enough. It was shameful, right? And so try as I may, go off to school, get all these degrees, make all this money. My mindset, I was still living in this poor mindset, scarce mindset that it wasn't always going to be here, nor did I have the education on when the money came through. Was there a destination of where it was going in a calculated manner? Okay. So we're going to talk, we're going to really kind of unpack this a little bit as I talk, right? Here's the thing. I grew up to become an adult, you know, even highly successful in my career. I, but I operated out of fear that maybe one day the money would stop, like I said a minute ago. But I still, we still spent to our limit, leaving little left at the end of the month and in our bank account. Just guys, think about it. Just I was living out my past just on a different scale, you know, 10 years ago out of college, had a, you know, multiple six-figure career. My husband had a great job too, but I did enter into adulthood with $200,000 in college loan debt. And I had maxed out credit cards so that I could get through school. So I was like the epitome of repeating the past where my mother had purchased groceries on credit cards at Walmart because that was one of the places that would accept credit cards back in the eighties. And she could get peanut butter and feed us, right? We lived in the neighborhood. We lived up to the neighborhood we could afford, you know, and between the mortgage and the college loan debt and trying to set aside money for our children's college, we really didn't have a lot left, right? It's like some say, like, trying to keep up with the Joneses, the Joneses are broke, right? Okay, 
So now surely I was aggressively putting money in my 401k, but that was it. So maybe that was my one step up from one generation to the next was that I was setting aside money and investing in a 401k, right? That was a step up, but I wasn't thinking about how I could create legacy assets with my family long-term, how when the money came in, how could I redirect it in a way that it was going to work for me over and over and over again, instead of letting it passively pass through and find its way to being spent on something else, right? I was just mirroring what I'd seen growing up. And just the paychecks were getting bigger and we just had bigger bills. How many of you guys can relate to that? The bottom line is, even if you break out of the cycle that I did of going to college and getting a degree, unlike my parents, and creating a larger income for myself, if we don't go out and seek financial competence, you live out your your history, your past. Because you're not changing your mindset, right? Okay. So until I recognized my money mindset needed to be worked on by really pouring into learning more, I was just doing what I observed growing up. I was living out a self-fulfilling prophecy from my past. We were barely getting by even though we made more money than most Americans, right? So I started picking up books. I started reading about money. I started reading about money mindset. I started being open to talking about money. I started being open to talking to my children about money because Lord knows I don't want them going off to college and to adulthood, A, being scared of money, right? And B, not having the money mindset at a very early age that investing over a series of multiple decades, long-term creates massive gains, right? Okay, so here's the thing. I had my board of advisors, right? I've got my financial advisor. I've got my accountant. I've even got my husband who self-nominated himself as my CFO this year. He's good at spreadsheets, balancing budgets, right? But here's the thing. Up until this year, I didn't realize that regardless of all of the advisors I had in my life, I still needed to be the captain of my financial future. I needed to not be a waif on the sidelines. I needed to stop being the damsel in distress who was telling the story that I don't, I don't do, I don't balance books. I don't do, you know, numbers. That's my, that's my husband's thing. That's my advisor. That's my accountant. Guys, That's a really crappy mindset for all the females out there listening to this. Okay. It's interesting. I was, I listened to a podcast just the other day where a very, very world renowned financial advisor whose whole niche is with helping women empower them with their finances really spoke about this unfortunate really landscape that we're in where so many women are not involved in the finances, don't understand what's set aside for retirement. And then what happens is it's a windfall of widows that are females that show up at the financial advisor's office because women outlive their husbands by nearly 10 years on average, right? 
And what this guy saw was just a pandemic of women coming in clueless about their finances. Maybe the money had been budgeted properly enough to live comfortably through the death of the husband, but the wife was left for another two, three, Lord knows, decades left to make her money last, right? And she's clueless. And, and you would hope that the people that you hired were honest people that, you know, serve the clients properly. These widows whose husbands are gone, they don't know really how the money's managed, where it's managed, how it's invested. They're a damsel in distress. And so, you know, this was really eye-opening to me as I listened to that, because I thought, this is so true. This is so true that I've got my head in a hole. I despise having the financial meetings. I dread getting the numbers together. I don't understand it. That's my, that's been my story of the past. That's been my story of the past. My story of the future is that I'm taking control and I'm understanding and I'm asking questions so that my financial destiny is in my control. And here's the thing. It's not that I'm diving into the weeds of, you know, tax policy and all the ins and outs of taxes, but am I learning top level how I can have more tax-free wealth? Am I taking time to learn about how investing my money in one space like the Airbnb real estate arena versus putting it in stocks may long-term impact the tax bracket that I'm in, the taxes that I pay? Yes, I am slowing down and beginning to learn and take accountability for my finances. And what this is doing is it's also creating really good conversations, healthy conversations in front of our children. We're not doing this behind closed doors. We're having it so that our children at an early age understand the the, the trade-offs and the and and with money and where it can go and what you can do with it and you know the short-term quality of life experiences of things that are what you can spend your money on today but no ROI on tomorrow and balancing that out and I'll give you a scenario of that here in just a minute right the bottom line is I came to the realization that I was putting all the pressure really on my husband to have to manage all of it and When I look back and think about it, we both came from families who were not college educated and both of our families, money wasn't really talked about. Both of us had risen to the occasion of getting a greater education, having more income, but neither one of us had taken any courses or classes beyond some of the good old Dave Ramsey books back in the day to get you out of debt. We hadn't really taken an aggressive approach to raising our own lids about our financial competence. And here I was assuming that he would know what to do and where to put it, right? Guys, let's get to work this year with me. I'm going to have so much fun with these money minutes over this year and the tidbits that I share with you guys. But the bottom line is that I've gotten to work reading, you know, Robert Kiyosaki. Some of you guys have read Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Right now I'm reading Tax-Free Wealth. I can't wait to come back on a, a podcast and share with you some of the great things I'm learning about that right now. Here's the bottom line, and I want you to hear this. 
loud and clear. I work hard and I love what I do, but here's the thing. I don't want to hustle forever, right? And unless you have a plan for as the money comes in, if you don't have a plan for a home, for where that money goes, your money really just works for you once. Does it all come in and it ends up paying bills and there's no strategic plan of a good 25, 30% of it to be invested somewhere in assets so that accumulates interest over years and decades that creates that snowball legacy for yourself. I'm really speaking to all the social sellers listening in right now. Many of you, many of you came into this industry while still working full-time. Many of you are creating a residual or side income for yourself with your network marketing or social selling business. And I want to ask you, what are you doing with all of that income? Does it have a plan? Mel Abraham said this the other day. He said, think about your money like you would your employees, if you have employees, right? If you hired three or four people, put them in a room and said, you're hired, here's your job, gave them no role description, gave them no list of things to do, told them to get to work, and you came back 30 or 40 years later, what would you expect? right? What would you expect? So for all my social sellers who are getting an income monthly right now, whether it's $100 or it's $5,000 or $500,000, do you have a financial plan for percentages of where that money should go the moment it comes into your business, right? Do you have a plan for it? And so one of the things, the first step that I've really implemented this year is creating a diversified plan of the moment the money comes in, where does it go, right? There's a percentage that you need to set aside for taxes as entrepreneurs. There's a percentage you should all be setting aside for operating costs. Yes, operating costs. I'll speak to this till I'm blue in the face. If you go back and watch my time, listen to my time management module or podcast, that the moment you're making money in, in your social selling business, you should be reinvesting. There should be operating cost, right? Especially if you're working full-time. Are you paying a VA to help you manage some things? Operating cost could be paying someone to do laundry so that you can work your business, right? But you need to be setting aside a portion of that money monthly. And then there's the reward of paving your, paving, paying yourself and paying it forward, right? So what maybe you, this is your full-time gig and you've got to assign a certain portion of that money coming in to pay your bills. But then there's that fourth piece, which is the assets. It's the assets. And no matter how small your income is, I highly encourage you to take a percentage of it monthly in your social selling business and commit to transferring it into a high yield account so that cumulatively you can take it and put it into something that creates an asset for you. You can be begin investing so that your money now, you've worked for it once. Now you're redirecting it into a space where it can now work for you again, over and over and over again. Now see, the broke, poor money mindset that I came from where I grew up, money came in and money went out. Money went to bills, money went to taxes. There was always just enough but that's because we lived that lifestyle of not prioritizing when the money came in, committing before it ever went out anywhere else, a percentage of going somewhere else. And I'm talking above and beyond your 401k matches, guys. I'm talking above and beyond that. 
It's not enough if you want to create a legacy for yourself. If you truly want an income producing asset that pays you out for life, we have to be consciously telling our money where to go every time it comes in. And that's the big thing I'm focusing on this year. So here's the thing. This is where I'll kind of wrap up and I'm going to have so much fun unpacking a lot of this this year. You know, having honest, open conversations with this about my kids has been so much fun. And and some of you may think it's taboo. And I would ask you to really reflect on why. You know, if you think it's strange to talk to your kids about money and where it's going, what were conversations like in your house? So my son, my oldest, is really, really into watching the numbers with me on my launches. So we run the numbers, right? And he's intimately involved. I'm like, all right, buddy, if we get 55 enrollments in this, we're going to make this amount of money. And he helps watch the numbers come in, right? And he's like my biggest cheerleader. He's witnessing the hustle. He's witnessing the work ethic, right? But he's also seeing the money come in. And so we just did our last launch in January. We finished up our nine-day launch. And he was like, holy cow, mom, look at these numbers. You could buy a Ferrari. We could buy a Ferrari like today, and I thought, man, this is, this is such a great lesson for him in business and responsibility and destiny with your money. And I said, buddy, we could, but if we bought that Ferrari and spent all of our money on it, it would depreciate over time, which means we've lost all that money over time. And we wouldn't have any money left to pay these amazing people who were helping us run this business. And we didn't set any money aside for taxes. Right. So we had we started having this conversation and he was like, well, how much are taxes? So we started talking about that. Well, it could be 15 to 40 percent. It really depends on how savvy you are with your taxes. So we had a whole conversation about that. And then we also talked about retirement. And I said, yeah, buddy, you know, we could spend all this money, but, you know, we really need to make sure putting this into a special 401k retirement plan for mommy and daddy as well. And maybe we'll even look into some profit shares this year, but we have to set money aside because that money, and we talked about how that money we set aside today for retirement, we started talking about the interest that could compound over a lifetime. And here's the cool thing. He already gets that because we set up bank accounts for them a couple of months ago. And I got him a book about money. I got him a book about money for kids. And he started learning about interest rates because when we, we got to the bank, and we were setting up his account. He asked the banker, he said, excuse me, you know, what's the interest rate on uh, this savings account? And they told him, and guys, this, the high yield savings accounts are crappy right now. And he was like, that's it. He started doing the numbers in his math. And it was like cents that he was going to make that, that month. And he's like, gosh, do you guys, can we, can we invest in the stock market here? Is there, is there some more high risk stuff that, that maybe we can get some more interest on? And I was so proud of him. So proud of him that he's really taking it to heart and learning literally at the age of nine, right? At the age of nine. But so we talked about that with this launch and we talked about setting aside money for taxes, putting money in retirement and him understanding the compound effect of setting money aside where you're rewarded for setting that money aside and it re- gaining interest. And we talked about the operating expenses of the business, that the business didn't operate itself. We had to pay the staff. 
that were helping support the business so that mommy could go do things with him while the business continued to operate. And then we started talking about where the money could go after those things had been, you know, accounted for. We talked about assets for the future. You guys, it's a fun vision casting exercise to have with the kids. You know, it's like, well, would you rather have a Ferrari or would you rather have a pool that we could all play in most months of the year, right? Or what if we invested in something that actually could bring an income back to the family? So we started talking about Airbnbs and real estate and how we could visit a home that we shared with other people and it created money for us. Oh my gosh. And then we even got into conversations about college, right? So So many life lessons for a nine-year-old to see the growth of a business and then see how responsibly the income that comes in has a home predestined and pre-planned before it even lands in the bank account and family agreement on the spillover of what we want to do with it for assets, right? Real life lessons, So here's the thing, guys, I'm working on stopping the generational pass down of a poor money mindset by making conscious efforts to not only raise the bar of my own competence this year, but enlightening my children in the process so that they see the abundance of opportunity in the world. They truly see the importance of money competence and that it's an energy source. It flows in, it flows out. I hand over money to the government in gratitude, in gratitude of taxes and knowing that the money's flowing back in somewhere else, right? It's not a bad thing. And we talk about money creating choice, creating freedom. It's not a, it's not a bad thing. It's not a negative thing. It's not the end all be all, but it certainly creates choice, right? Okay, so as I continue on my journey on financial competence, I'll continue to bring you guys my ahas in my podcast as I transition from the damsel in distress who knows how to make money but doesn't know where to put it to the queen who owns her financial destiny and her financial plan. So I hope you guys enjoyed this. I hope it's uh, piqued your curiosity around maybe turning over some rocks and learning a little bit more yourself and engaging in some conversations with your children about money. We'll be back again next time. Thanks for listening to the Burnout to All Out podcast. For free resources, materials, or information on my coaching services, go ahead over to livethefreelife.co. That's livethefreelife.co. Co, or check out our Facebook community at Burnout to All Out and make sure you follow Burnout to All Out on Spotify and subscribe to iTunes. And it would truly mean the world to me if you paused for just a second, gave me that five-star review of the show, and be sure to share this episode with any burnouts you think would be inspired to go all out after hearing this episode. <music>